0: Hello and welcome to Dr. Show Cares. For our podcast today, we have the honour of having Dr. Mary Balogun to join us for a conversation. Hello and welcome, Dr. Balogun.
1: Oh, thank you. Good afternoon, Dr. Shubatunu Johnson-Shubatun.
0: It's glad to be here. Thank you for your invitation. We are very honoured that you chose to accept it. So, to start the conversation, I would appreciate it if you could just introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about your professional and um, cultural background. Well, I am um, Dr. Mirilua
1: Yemsi Balogon. I have an MBBS, uh, master's in public health from the College of Medicine, University of Ibadan. I'm also a fellow of the west african college of physicians i have a diploma in occupational medicine from the university from the united kingdom i'm also a fellow of the Royal society of public health united kingdom i have um, i graduated from MBBS about 20 years ago um currently i have an athlete membership of the faculty of occupational medicine in the united kingdom and also i'm also a member of the Society of Occupational and Environmental Health Physicians of Nigeria and Association of Public Health Physicians of Nigeria. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Wow, um, that's a very impressive CV, Dr. Balogun. So I, from what I heard, I heard public health, occupational medicine, as well as um, community medicine. Thank you so much for joining us and I'm sure that this is going to be the first of many conversations which we will have on the challenges and potential solutions um, that we face in African healthcare delivery. For this conversation, I would like for you to give us an overview from your perspective and then we can go into further details later on in this podcast and in future podcasts. Given your experience as a consultant working in a government funded hospital like University College Hospital, in Rado, what do you think are the major challenges in African healthcare delivery?
1: Thank you. The major challenges, um, I would like to say, going back to those pillars that WHO actually um, documented as the pillars that are required for adequate and quality healthcare services. But before I go on to talk about these pillars, I first of all want to give you a summary, an overview of the statistics that we have in Africa for you to, first to know where we are and what we need to do. Basically, I'd like to look at some indices, health indices, maternal mortality ratio, infant mortality rate, under five mortality rate, antenatal care coverage, and also our life expectancy just from some selected African countries. For example, for maternal mortality ratio which refers to the number of mothers, mortality per 100,000 life births. In Egypt, we have 37 per 100,000 live births, Cameroon 529, Ghana 308, and Nigeria 917 per 100,000. Our under 5 mortality rate is also not very good. That looks at the number of children under 5 that die before their age of 5 per 100,000 live births. For Egypt, it's 11.2 per 1,000. For South Africa, 10.7. Cameroon, 26.6. Ghana, 23.9. And Nigeria, 36. And lastly, I also want to look at our life expectancy. As you know, for the developed world, it's very high, but we don't have very good life expectancy in our African countries. Egypt, 72, that's fair. Cameroon, 59, Ghana, 64, and Nigeria, 54. So from all this health indices, you can see that we have a long way to go because the health indices is what actually reflect the health system of a particular country. And from what we can see from our current health statistics, we, we, it goes to show that our health system needs to be better developed.
0: Wow. Thank you what? for that, Dr. baluko Um Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What were you going to say?
1: No, I was going to talk about those pillars you you want us to look at. Those areas, those key areas that need to be improved on to give us quality health service. In terms of service delivery, health workforce, I mean human resource for health. Um, financing, leadership and governance. Those are some of the key areas that needs to be improved on that we ensure that we have quality health services.
0: Well, thank you for that. And thank you for mentioning about the healthcare indices disparity in African countries, pointing to the structural systemic flaws in the way that we deliver the healthcare, particularly as you mentioned, to the under five, infants and uh, pregnant women particularly focusing on the pillars which you have just mentioned as described by WHO. What is your personal experience on the structural systemic issues in healthcare delivery? Thank you, Dr.
1: Ishun Firstly, I would like to say that majority of the health populace stay in the rural urban, rural areas rather than urban, where 30% stay in the urban areas. And because of that, we have to ensure that health services are delivered to the 70% that live in the rural area. So because of that, we need to ensure that the primary health care system works. For example, in Nigeria, where I work, we have a three-tier system, it's a pyramid. We have the primary healthcare care system that is available, that should be available to the majority of the population. And then we have the secondary healthcare care system and finally the tertiary healthcare system. The primary healthcare care system is what it's expected to provide health care services to people in the grassroots. In other words, they are the ones that are supposed to deliver health care to the majority of the population. And what can be handled at the primary health care system can then be referred to the secondary health care facilities. And cases with complications that cannot be handled at the secondary health care facility should then be referred to the tertiary health care facilities. But what do we find? Because our primary health care systems are not functioning optimally in terms of delivery of health care services, health personnel, equipment, infrastructures not being available, we found that most people end up going to detention tertiary health facilities and then we end up having what we call the hourglass. Hourglass shape. In other words, few people at the primary health care level, none at all at the secondary healthcare facilities because they are not functional and we have another majority going to the tertiary healthcare facilities giving us a power glass shape of the health system rather than the pyramid that is expected.
0: And this is dysfunctional and from what I'm hearing you say this is a really important reason why our healthcare delivery is inefficient. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Balogun, for talking about that. So you just explained about the hierarchical structure to healthcare service delivery and pointed out that the primary healthcare system should be the access point for most issues, but this is not currently working very well. Are you able to expand on this further? Thank you. I
1: would also like to expand more on this. The issues that we have with regards to the healthcare delivery system is multifactorial. And I would also like to look at it from another perspective in terms of individual level factors, community level factors, and government level factors. For example, for the individual level factors, there are personal individual factors that contribute. To poor healthcare delivery system that contributes to people not being able to access healthcare services. One of those factors is the level of education. The level of education is one of those factors that we affect how people view healthcare services. For example, in Nigeria, our literacy rate particularly for those living in the northern area of Nigeria, is very low. And we find that most of the health indices are actually worse in this aspect of the country because women, female children, are not educated. Women are not educated. And because they don't have, they're they not educated, they cannot make informed decisions to access health care. They need to take permission their husbands before they can access healthcare services and because of that cultural also cultural factors what people believe also hinders them from accessing healthcare services for example some areas of our country nigeria they don't believe in receiving immunization and these are vaccine preventable diseases if they do not take immunizations, we have all still dealing with issues like polio, which by now should have been
0: eradicated. Right. So, you mentioned the individual level and um, just picking up on the lack of education and literacy as a big hindrance to the individual. I'm just wondering what you think are the community factors. And um, how can they be effectively addressed? And then we'll talk about the governmental factors, which you also mentioned as well.
1: Thank you. For the community factors,
0: what I would actually
1: want to look into the community factors is the health workforce in the community. The health workforce, the human resource for health. Generally, in Africa, we have 2.3 healthcare workers per 1,000 population compared to the Americas, where they have 24.8 healthcare workers per 1,000 population. That's very, very critical. And one of the major issues that is contributing to our very low healthcare personnel in the country, in Africa generally, and in Nigeria in particular, is what I will call in court, brain drain most of our doctors, or nurses are leaving the country to go for um, to go outside the country to develop the world where they believe the standard of living is better and also because they have better job satisfaction that is also another thing, the community that is contributing to Our poor delivery of healthcare services. Because we don't
0: have the personnel, how do we rent the services? Thank you for that, Dr. Balogun. I think there's another thing about the community that I I, I found interesting from when you were talking about the individual, and that's the community buy in to accessing healthcare, because when you were talking about sort of the young women and um, mothers who have to get permission from their husbands to be able to access healthcare, I think that if there was appropriate community buy-in into um, accessing healthcare and targeted campaigns, which I'm sure they're doing at the moment as well, um, that could improve um, the engagement of People, the community with healthcare services. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yes, thank you, Doctor Tino Johnson Shabweta.
1: The the community will be encouraged to play their part to ensure that the community members access healthcare services if they know that the healthcare services are available. In other words. We have to, and first of all, ensure that the healthcare services in terms of equipment, in terms of personnel, in terms of drugs and supplies are available before we can encourage community members to come and access these healthcare services. For example, in places where the healthcare services work in terms of the primary healthcare services, where they have nutritional clinics, immunization clinics, they have non-communicable clinics. Then, members of the community through their opinion leaders, religious leaders, market women leaders, men, um, have local government chairmen can be encouraged to inform members of their community to access the healthcare services to encourage them to come and also even when they see them they themselves living by examples accessing those care services then they are more empowered to encourage the members to do the same so what am what am i trying to say we have to ensure that those services are available and we are in given quality services so that when we encourage members to come they do not get discouraged because once they come and they find out that they cannot access those healthcare services either because the personnel are not there or even when the personnel are there what is their attitude to work and also what is the waiting time when they come all those are those those are the issues that can discourage members of the community to come and access healthcare. And lastly, what is the what is what do they have to pay? Because currently most of the health expenditure is out of pocket. So if you don't have insurance schemes that we have to that we help to offer their health expenditures, and that is also an issue that can discourage them from coming to access healthcare services.
0: Right. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Balogun. And I love that you you've brought out many issues about potential discouragement and you've mentioned about the financial factor, which I think we'll pick up on again um, in a in a later conversation in terms of the individuals' finances and how healthcare is funded, um in healthcare is funded in Africa and in Nigeria specifically. But just to just to move the conversation forward a little bit you mentioned about the government factors and i just wanted you to expand on this if you could thank you i would like to talk about that i've been talking about the
1: individual the community the government level is very critical political will is what we call it what is the political will of the government through with regards to health, provision of health care services to the populace. And I would like to go back to that pillar we talked about, recommended by WH, we, where we have leadership and governance. Very, very important because what is the budgetary allocation of African countries to health? That is an issue. What is advocated? In 2000, there was an Abuja declaration. There was a meeting of all African um, um, leaders in Abuja where they all agreed that 15% of the budget should be allocated to health. As we speak, only one country has met that 15% allocation to health of their budget. Nigeria ranges between 3 to 5%. The, the, the current budget for this year, the health allocation of the budget, the allocation of budgets for health is 4.1%. With that, that is far off from the 15% that is recommended that all the, the, the African leaders have it to. What can be done with that amount of budgetary allocation to health? Very little. So that is why political will is very important. Is our do we have the governments of the different African countries prioritizing health? If health is not prioritized and budget is not allocated, then there's little that we can do in terms of making sure that all our primary care services, primary care clinics, are working functionally. In terms of encouraging personnel to be trained paying them regular salaries, having equipment, having infrastructures, making sure that all the roads that lead to all these primary health care centres are accessible. It is very critical that our leaders have political will with regards to health, and that will reflect in the budgetary allocation
0: to health. Well, thank you, Dr. Balogun. I'm just wondering, given the current COVID nineteen p- pandemic, which I think has probably been quite eye opening to many of the government leaders as to the current state of the infrastructure in Africa. Do you think that this is one of the one of the potential things to come out of this would be a, a better focus on healthcare, and perhaps we will start seeing governments actually trying to meet this fifteen percent that they. Um, Wanted to alluded to or wanted to meet.
1: Thank you, Dr. Ituna Joseph Shoketu. The current COVID pandemic has actually brought to the fore the decadence in the health sector. Because as I speak, even our own tertiary institution. Has a isolation center that is for that has just four beds. That is what we have. You can imagine if we have to do to have more patients. We cannot cope with it. The Oyo State government has tried to put up more isolation centers, but all those ones just came up now because of the COVID pandemic. Because we didn't have them on ground prior to the COVID pandemic. It's all come to show that there's so much to be done in our healthcare sector. No, it's not bed space for hospitalization. don't have ventilators. We don't have personal protective equipment. All of them are just being bought now that the COVID pandemic. That should it be. In fact, even the personal protective equipment are being rationed. It shouldn't be. So it all goes to show that our healthcare system still has a long, very, very long way to go. And it all goes back to the political realm. Now they all just really government is just realizing that, oh, we need to put this care, we need to put this in this, all these states, most of all the states that have had cases don't have isolation centers to hospitalize the COVID cases. And sometimes you don't even have the laboratory to test the patients that suspected cases that we have. So it's all has come to show that a lot still has to be done in our health sector. In fact, it's also during this period that they now realize that, oh, we need to actually be giving not workers acid allowance and to increase it. So many things that had been suggested and even documented for the governments to do, they are now just realizing that it has to be done. So it's all really brought to the fore the issues that were initiated and always had already been In other words, we call, call them latent failures. The latent failures have now come to the fore, the COVID pandemic being the active failure that has
0: brought it to the fore. So hopefully from this, there will be lessons learned and it would be a start to begin to rebuild some of these systemic failings. Um, Before we start to wrap the conversation up, I just wanted us to just briefly discuss this idea of communicable diseases versus non-communicable diseases changing the demand and the delivery of healthcare in Africa. Do you have any thoughts on this from your current clinical experience?
1: The healthcare delivery system in Africa as to ensure that they cater for management of both communicable diseases and non-communicable diseases. I must say that it's a double priority problem. Initially what we thought we had were the, were the communicable diseases which we still do have currently. Basically because we still do not have basic amenities And the underlying problem to these basic amenities is poverty, 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 poverty. Because poverty is also what leads to things like sewage disposal, refuse disposal, access to potable water, good housing, pollution. If we do not deal with all these issues we will still have to deal with communicable diseases and on the other hand because we have lifestyles such as smoking alcohol sedential lifestyles we are having an increase in non-communicable diseases like hypertension obesity diabetes mellitus, are all on the increase, even at an alarming rate. So, we have this double-barred problem of both communicable diseases and non-communicable diseases. And our healthcare delivery systems have to be prepared to manage both cases, both issues of communicable disease and non-communicable diseases.
0: Thank you, Dr. Balogun. This This is very interesting to me as a family physician because the bread and butter of what we do is the management of non-communicable diseases as you described and the risk factors. So that's very interesting that you say that it's on the the rapid increase. We have talked about uh, a structural approach to healthcare delivery and we've said that it's very important that we develop an effective and working primary care system and strengthen the access to this and have clear channels of referral from the primary care system to the secondary care system and to the tertiary care system. So we have a working pyramid as opposed to the hourglass that you described. I just want us to pick up on two points before we bring the conversation to a close. How do we educate patients? to access healthcare efficiently so that they just know where to go, so that they know what is primary, what is secondary, and what is tertiary, depending on what health issues that they have. And the other thing that I want us to pick up on is what is the role of private healthcare institutions in all of this? Thank you, Dr. Shubeto.
1: The primary healthcare systems, like I earlier mentioned, are supposed to be available at the doorstep of community members. And what's the primary health care systems are functional in terms of personnel in terms of equipment in terms of infrastructure in terms of um, drugs and supplies community members will access the health care once they're at their walking distance they will access them the members of the community the, the opinion leaders we encourage them and once they they have good report on their visits to those places, then they will be within them themselves. community um, the members will be the ones that will tell others, that, oh, I've been to this family health care center. It's very good, it's functional, and you have people going there, taking their children there for immunization, taking them for nutritional clinics, taking them for, for well-baby clinics, the mothers going for adrenal care because they know the nurses are there to attend to them, the doctors are there to attend to them, they have drugs available, they have laboratories that are functional, they don't have to travel to go and do any tests they have the test on ground that will be done to check that they have malaria or not. Once we have this primary health care systems working, functional, with all the um, issues that are raised in terms of personnel, equipment, um, drugs and supplies, community members will attend. They will access the health care services. Once we have quality health care services being provided, because their need is, we let them know, and they themselves, with their experience, we actually tell other members of the community. And once they know that they, those, care, those services are available at the primary health care level, they won't have to go to secondary, except they are referred. And they will only be referred to secondary health care facilities when they have cases that will be attended to at the secondary health care facilities. So what am I trying to say? We must fundamentally make sure that our primary care system works and also the secondary healthcare care facilities. As it is now, what is actually functional and what everybody is uh, going to have access to care to is the tertiary healthcare care institution, which shouldn't be, which is what is giving us an hour, hourglass shape. So once the, the primary health care systems are working, it is only those cases that require secondary healthcare facility attention that will be referred there and those ones that cannot be dealt with at the secondary healthcare facility will be referred to the tertiary healthcare institutions with regards to the private hospitals the private hospitals are very important the reason being that the demand for healthcare services is enormous and the public health institutions may not be able to meet this demand. So, having the private healthcare services complementing the services rendered by the public health institutions, the, the government-owned institutions, is very, very important. In other words, the private the private health services is important, but we have to ensure that the services being rendered in this private health institutions are of quality standard. Because they also can refer patients that they cannot handle either to secondary healthcare facilities or to tertiary healthcare facilities. The most important thing, Dr. Iton Shogutu, is to ensure that people have access to healthcare services, whether it's public health, institutions, or private health institutions
0: thank you so much and on that thought I will say thank you because this has been a very illuminating conversation and I think that it's been actually quite um detailed thank you so much again Dr Balogun for coming on the program we hope we will have more conversations in the future I'll just give you one one few seconds to give us a concluding thought
1: yes i have mentioned quite a lot of challenges that we have they are enormous but i must say that if you take the right step in the right direction there's light at the end of the tunnel and we will surely overcome these challenges if we do
0: not give up thank you very much thank you dr balogo Thank you to our listeners and see you next week for our next conversation. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.